All right. Good morning, family. Good to see you guys. All right. Man, got it coming back today. I like that. Makes me feel not so alone up here. Uh, Grab your Bibles, open them up. Uh, Luke chapter 14 is where we're going to be this morning. Um, If you have just joined us, we are in the middle of a series called Meals with Jesus. And Jesus is eating once again with the religious leaders. And he is not going to eat another meal with them after this point in Luke. He's done. He's done with them. So uh, this is going to be an interesting uh, meal that we're going to look at. There's a lot in this passage for us to learn about the mission of, God, uh, mission of Jesus and what our mission as a church should be uh, as well. So let's uh, pick it up in verse 12. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we can get one to you. Uh, just raise your hand and one of our elders will get one to you. We have it up on the screen if you have a hard time hearing. You can follow along. Sometimes I don't speak loud enough. So. so here we go. Verse 12. Luke chapter 14. He said also to the man who invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet... Do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Now, when one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, A man man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field. I must go out to see it. Please excuse me. And another said, Well, I bought five yoke of oxen. I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife. Therefore, I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry, and he said to a servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled for I tell you none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet this is the word of the Lord let's pray King Jesus we love you we love your word thank you for talking to us today And Lord, uh, I pray that you would talk. Lord, I'm feeling a little tired today. 
and uh, low energy, but God, I pray that your energy be, would be here today. I pray that your strength would be here today. Lord, we've come to put our eyes on Jesus and nobody else today. We want and need to hear a word from you. We need you to correct us where we need it. We need you to encourage us where we need it. We need to be, as a church, shaped by your mission. And we pray that you would do that very thing today, that today the person everyone's talking about when they leave and they get in their cars would be Jesus. Would you do that? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, what started out relatively small and containable blew up into a national phenomenon. The promoters, they had sent out these flyers and posters, and they expected about 200,000 people at most. That's what they were banking on. But on that rainy, steamy August weekend in 1969, an estimated half a million people flooded Max Yasger's farm in New York and they descended on the Woodstock Music Festival. So many people came, in fact, that it was quickly declared a free concert for all that could come to it. And people came, didn't they? They came. So many came that the roads couldn't contain the traffic. State police were called to close exits to keep people out. Announcements were made on the New York radio waves and on the television uh, airwaves to keep people away from the music festival. But still people came. People from all walks of life came. And they came from miles around. They literally came from the highways and the hedges. Strange people. Normal people. Outsiders and locals, they all came. The radio said, don't come, there's no more room for you. But people kept inviting others to come. They came to, inv- to invite them to this feast, this feast of this greatest music from the best bands of that time. Now, I'm not saying that everything that happened at Woodstock was kosher, all right? It wasn't. <laughs> all right? But my only point is this. When you have tasted something truly historic, you want to invite others in. You want to invite others into that. We Christians have tasted something that surpasses the greatness of Woodstock in every possible way imaginable. That was a banquet of music that lasted a weekend. The kingdom of God is a banquet of immense joy abiding peace and satisfying love that starts right now and it never stops. In this passage, Luke is telling us that Jesus wants us to invite others into that banquet, into that festival. So whom do we invite? Well, there's three groups of people in this passage that I want us to look at today. First of all, we need to invite the elitist and then move on. We need to invite the elitist and then move on. Look at verse 17 through 20. And at, that t- and at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those that had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. He's been planning this thing. He said, save the date. They said, okay, we'll save the date. Now is the date. It's ready. You reserved it. Now come, right? 
Everything is ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, you know, I bought a field, and I've got to go see the field. Please have me excused. Another said, I've bought five yokes of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Another said, I married a wife, therefore I cannot come. That's an interesting excuse. Um, Jesus is telling this parable to a group of people. Remember the context. He's telling this group, group of people uh, that they assume that they will definitely have a place in the kingdom of God. Remember, we've been talking about this for several weeks now. The Pharisees and all those that were invited to this party. This is the context. This is the audience that he's talking to, okay? So I want you to picture the dinner party. Close your eyes if it helps. Just picture this. Picture the sounds and the smells and the sights. Picture this. A small minority of religiously elite Jews called the Pharisees. And an even smaller, even more elite group of people that they specifically invited. Remember, we talked about this, that in that time, in that culture, you only did table fellowship with people that were of your same social class. All right? So these the Pharisees thought these people were in the same class. They get, they get selected to come in, basically, all right? This is a very small number, an incredibly exclusively, exclusive group of people at this dinner party, all right? To put it another way, this is, the ga- this is a gathering of the who's who in Israel. These are the somebodies. These are the wor- movers and shakers. These are the people that make things kind of happen around town, Okay? This party is like a hipster dream come true, all right? If you don't know what a hipster is, we have a slide up here that might help you. Feel free to laugh at it if you want. I listen to bands that don't even exist yet. Um, just uh, a sad hipster is a hipster that just heard his uh, favorite band on the radio. So think of people that are very cool, and they know they define what cool is, okay? Um, very exclusive. Think imitation only at this party, Okay? Uh, only people who are as intelligent and as obscurely dressed as them got in. And once they got into the party, there's limited seating saved only for the most distinct thinkers of the time. That's this party that Jesus has somehow been invited to. In this parable, Jesus is attacking a major assumption of this group. The leaders of Judaism, who are at this small exclusive feast today... They think that they will definitely be at the huge messianic dinner banquet in the end. That's the assumption that he's hitting head on. After all, they have the very words of the prophets, right? That's what they're thinking. They have the law of God. They have the sign of circumcision. They have their ethnic ancestry, right? And heritage. They have very high place and high status in society. In their minds, they automatically get eternal life with God. They're very confident that they have a place at the banqueting table, at the feast of the Lord. But in this parable, Jesus tells them that the host of the Messianic banquet is calling them right now. And they are refusing to come. The banquet's ready. The banquet you've been hoping in, it's ready. In fact, it's starting, and you don't want to come. He's confronting them with that. They're refusing because they don't really want to dine with him. They don't want to dine with him. They exclude themselves, actually, from eternal fellowship with God by making excuses. And and they're really lame excuses, 
all right? One guy says, well, you know, I'd really like to go to this wonderful banquet. I'd love to go to this celebration party we've been waiting our whole life to, but I can't because you know what? I bought a field, and I need to go stand in my field. Yep, it's, a, it's that grave of fields. It's, it's an amazing field. Uh, another guy says, hey, you know what? I'd rather spend time with my oxen. Have you ever watched oxen? They're amazing to watch work. I mean, nothing works like an oxen. Nothing runs like an oxen. One guy just flat out blames his wife. He just throws his wife under the bus, and that's why he can't come to the party. Did you catch that? You know, I can't, but I'm married. You know, the old ball and chain. I'd love to come, but you know, I don't like going to grab this guy and go, man, don't let your, don't let your wife have you miss out on the greatest party ever. Bring her with you. Bring her into this. What's the matter with you? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Listen, uh, our excuses are just as lame and just as offensive to the Lord, wouldn't you say? I mean, we laugh at that, but we have our own, don't we? Jesus has invited us to share a feast of joy. Just imagine that, a feast of joy, eating joy, consuming that, getting nourishment off joy forever, right? It'll satisfy us like nothing else can. Jesus has invited us into eternal life where wrongs are made right Tears are wiped away. Hunger is a distant memory. And sickness doesn't exist anymore. And we would rather go camping. We would rather expand our business this year. We would rather do whatever it takes to keep our spouse happy. And off our case for a few years? Really? That's our excuse for not coming? Can't come today. Count me out. Here's where that elitism or that pride comes into play. It isn't that we rank those things too highly. It's that we rank life with Christ too lowly. That's the problem. It's not... in our minds, is that it's not any more important than all the other good stuff that we have going on. Life with Christ is just as satisfying as anything else. It's right there. So I can kind of take it or leave it. I want you to know something else in this passage. Jesus says the banquet is ready right now. In fact, it's already begun. The call to dine with him, it's on his terms, though. It's on his terms. But you see, the proud... They want to come when they want to come. I'll come when I want to come. I'll be fashionably late, right? They believe that the offer of Jesus is going to always be on the table, so what's the rush? I'll get around to that. I know what that is. I'll get around to that. But here's the truth. Because the spiritually self-assured think that they can accept Christ's invitation at any time, they never accept the invitation. That's the problem. They never pull the trigger. They never say, okay, I'm in. That's the problem. And what does Jesus do? We see later on in this parable that Jesus doesn't try to persuade them, does he? He doesn't. He moves on and he invites other guests. God's always treated the proud like this. James 4, 6 says this, But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So what does this mean for us? 
I think it means a couple of things. If, if you find that you are refusing to participate in life with Christ because other things are more dazzling, you find them more interesting, if you find that you are excusing yourself from God's invitation, then you know what? You might be dealing with pride. You might be dealing with pride. And what you need to do is you need to ask the Lord to humble you. That's something that he has to do. Ask him to open up your eyes so that you can see your need for him. You really need him. You don't know it yet, but you need him. So ask him to open your eyes. Secondly, if you find yourself uh, inviting someone into life with Christ who's full of excuses, then you know what you need to do? You need to stop. You stop wasting your energy on their excuses. Because their excuses are awesome. Their excuses are awesome. Invite them. Invite them. And then move on to people that recognize their need. Keep praying for them. Pray that God will have mercy on them. Keep praying that God will open their eyes. Keep loving them in very physical and very practical ways. But invite them and move on. Guys, I don't spend a lot of time trying to convince religious people to come to church or to grow in the Lord that don't really want Jesus. At the end of the day, when he says come, they go, no, I don't really want to. Don't burn a lot of energy on that. There are too many people that are ready. There's too many people that right now are ready to accept Christ's gracious invitation for that. We need to ask them. Some of you have spent months of your life trying to convince the proud that their excuses are lame. And you're ignoring people right under your noses that are ready to accept Christ's invitation to feast with him. And you need to move on. Invite them, pray for them, keep loving them, keep in communication, but move on. This is exactly what Jesus does. Since Jesus is hosting the greatest banquet in the history of the world, we need to bring in the lonely. We need to bring in the lonely. This is the next group here. Look at verse 21. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to the servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, crippled, blind, and lame. Now this is interesting. Just because the elite or the spiritually self-assured won't come to the banquet, that doesn't keep the party from going on. He didn't stop the party. He didn't hit pause till all these people get here. It's happening. This train's moving, right? Get on board. Everything is ready. It's still going to begin. Jesus just has his servants invite new guests. Let's blow up this guest list, he basically says. Let's expand it a little bit. But these guests aren't like the first set. In the parable, they are the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. These are the people that live on the streets of the city instead of in houses with families. They are the nobodies of society. They're basically beggars that people would pass on their way to work or something. They're kind of like the wallpaper. They kind of blend into the background, into the scenery. We call this set of guests the lonely. They're kind of the outcasts if you will, okay? The law stated that those who are blind, lame, and maimed, this is very interesting, they could not fully participate in the worship of the law. This is in Leviticus. 
They couldn't fully participate in the worship of God. They were separated from full fellowship with God, and therefore they were separated from all the blessings that comes with this, with worshiping God. Jesus is saying that there's a reversal going on here. Something's changing in this. He wants them at this party. He wants them at this feast. He wants them to fellowship with him and to be brought in. Now, who would that be in our time? Just think about this. This is an invitation for the mom with four kids whose boyfriend left her for something different, something better. There's an invitation here for the man that's struggling with depression and a dead-end job. The invitation is for all of those who feel excluded from society, feeling alone and on your own. It's for those that are in need of forgiveness of their sins. They're in need also of healing because of their sin. Come to the feast of Jesus, the invitation reads. Come now. It's ready for you. The master tells his servants to bring them in. Family, we're not to wait for them to come to us, are we? We need to go find them. We need to go give them the good news of Jesus and bring them in, it says. And so how do we do that? How do we bring in the lonely? How do we bring in the outcast? Here's one way. Invite them into your home. We've been talking about this for weeks and weeks. Invite them into your home. Open up your life to them. In fact, inviting someone to church on Sunday probably shouldn't be your first move all the time. In fact, maybe you might not even want to invite someone to church on Sunday if you're not even going to bother inviting them into your home. You know why? There's a lot of reasons, but here's one. Because they came to you first, not me. They came to hear what you have to say about Jesus. They want to know if he's real in your life first before they want to know if it's real in this room. They want to know if his grace really works on the street. You're the one that works beside them. You're the one that lives in their neighborhood. In fact, that's why God put you there. You're the one that they want to hear about Jesus from first. Here's another way we bring people in from the shadows. We pray for them. Pray for them. As you're getting to know people in your jobs, as you're getting to know them in your neighborhoods, uh, listen to them. Just listen to them. Do they have a sick child? What are their needs? Do they have a sick child? Are they struggling to get out of debt? How do they get into debt? They're having a hard time sleeping at night? They got insomnia? Why? What's keeping you up? See what we're doing? I'm getting into your life. What are the needs that you have? When you find out what their needs are, offer to pray for them. And you know what? Then just say a short prayer for them right there on the spot. It doesn't have to be an awesome prayer, okay? Just reach out and pray for them. Praying is a great way that we love people. It's a way that we bring in those that society tends to ignore. The prison ministry that some of you are involved in is, is a great example of this. You guys are doing this right now. Pray, pray, and keep praying for those men and women that society is ignoring. Because every paper that you grade and every question you answer and every prayer that you offer is helping them come closer to Christ. It's helping them actually know Christ better and bringing them into this feast that we're a part of. 
So way to go, guys. But we don't just stop at the lonely and the ignored. Since Jesus is hosting the greatest banquet in history, we need to compel the long shot. We need to compel the long shot to come in too. Look at verses 22 through 23. Well, the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. I love that line. And still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in. Why? He says, why? That my house may be full. The servants have obeyed their master and they invited outcasts and the outsiders. And the outsiders have accepted Christ's invitation. They've all sat down at the table of the Lord. And here's what I found really amazing when I read this a few times. Okay? There's still empty chairs. Can you picture this? Huge table. Long table. Lots of food on it. Lots of people around the table. I don't know what your picture of the kingdom is. It should picture lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people in it. Because that's the picture Jesus is painting. And there's still empty chairs. Right? They're empty chairs. And here's what Christ doesn't say. He doesn't say, well, we got a couple of million people here. That's a pretty good crowd. Let's eat. He doesn't say that, right? Jesus doesn't subscribe to the idea of us four and no more. This is what Jesus says. This doesn't satisfy me. This is nice, but this doesn't satisfy me. There's room for more at this meal. Gosh, who else could I invite? That's what he says. You see what Jesus is doing here, guys? Do you see it, family? What's he doing? He's taking religion. This is what religion does. It takes life with God, and it makes this very small, private, exclusive celebration for just a few people to enjoy. Right? That's what it does with life of God. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking about our church. It makes me wonder, are we doing this as a church? Maybe unintentionally, right? Are there any things that we do regularly that exclude outsiders that aren't a part of us? Maybe unintentionally that we don't know about. This is what I'm thinking while I'm reading this. Because Jesus takes that idea, that notion of uh, 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 life with God as a very privatized thing. And he blows it up. He makes it from an exclusive club to this big banquet that anyone can come. It's open to all. Jesus is teaching that the banquet of eternal life is not for the who's who. It's for the who's that. Who is, who's that? How'd they get in here? That's what this banquet's all about. And the religious people, they did not like that at all. It ruffled their feathers. He didn't like it. But that's who this is for. So what does it mean for us? It means this. Jesus commands us to go out. To go out. Go out. Go out to the highways and persuade people to come dine with him. You know who those people are? The people on the highway? People on the highway, they're the people that are on the outskirts of towns. That's why you're on a highway. That's why you go around the big loop. You don't go through town, right? When you're traveling somewhere, there are people that are not citizens of that town. They don't live in the town. 
You understand what I'm saying? They're on their way to somewhere else. They're on their way to somewhere better. They're just kind of passing through. That's people on the highway. In other words, these are people that are far from God. And they're far from the people of God. They're way out there. These are the long shots. And Jesus wants the long shots to have a place at his table. To have a part of that feast with God. The long shots, you know what? They have weird beliefs. They're strange beliefs. They come from foreign places. They have different backgrounds. They might even speak with an accent. They might worship other gods. They might belong to other religions. They've lived their life in rebellion against God. The master commands us to go persuade them to come in. He wants them enjoying the same banquet that we get to enjoy. Amen? You guys want to talk back to me today or what? This is a big deal. The picture Jesus paints is that he is wildly generous. Wildly generous with his grace. It's his forgiveness he's offering. It's his creation he's redeeming. It's his banquet he's sharing with the world. And you know what? He's going to make a guest out of whomever he wants to make a guest. There's our guest list. Jesus wants the long shots in his kingdom. Hey, do we? Can I be honest with you? I am every week. I'm not gonna, I guess I'm going to stop today. I have the microphone, so I guess I can be honest with you if I want, right? I don't always want to reach the long shot. Confession. I don't. You know why? Because it's really uncomfortable for me. It sounds really good here. It plays really well here, right? Come on. But it's hard in practice. It's uncomfortable for me. Many times I like the idea of opening my home up to people far from God more than I like opening up my home to people that are far from God. Do you understand what I'm saying? I like the idea of it more than I like the doing of it. I'm just being real with you guys. Let's be honest. The long shots are, are hard to reach. They live very different lifestyles than we do. Amen? They believe differently than we do. They listen to different music than we do. They read different books than we do. Watch different shows than we do. They're just flat out different, right? And it takes energy to do this. It's hard. This means we have to make sacrifices to reach them with the good news, right? And, you, and guess what? That's uncomfortable, isn't it? Isn't that uncomfortable? Yeah, it is. So here's my question. What gives us the power to compel them, to persuade them to come in? If it takes energy and it takes change and it takes, it's uncomfortable for us and it's difficult to do, What's going to give us the power to to go through that wall? Here's what it is. It's the gospel. It's the gospel becoming real to you personally and to Chad personally. 
that has the power to change our heart to do this, to make those sacrifices. That's the only thing that has the power to do that. Look at Ephesians 2, 11 through 14. Therefore, remember, we're forgetful people, aren't we? That's why we come every week to church. You know why? Because we forget. Remember, at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what's called the circumcision, which is made by flesh, in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers, listen to the words he's using, guys, you were strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far off. It wasn't even a close call, family. You who were far off have been brought near. Didn't say come near. What did it say? Brought near. Listen to the words, guys. This is amazing. By the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. It is when we remember that we were at one time a long shot. At one time, we were the lonely. We were the outcast and the overlooked. When we remember this, that we are empowered to invite others in and say, you know, I'll make that sacrifice. I'll make that sacrifice. I'll give up my chair. I'll give up my spot. I'll move over. Only only when we remember that will we do this. At one time, we, we were counted among the spiritually blind and poor and crippled and lame and maimed. We couldn't get up and go to Jesus if if we wanted to. We had to have help the whole way. When we were so far from God that God had to come find us. And come find us, He did. Amen? Come find us, He did. He came to the dark places. He came to the back alleys. And He brought us into His house through Jesus. God came all the way from heaven to our neighborhood. from heaven to our neighborhood, that God would know our zip code. And he'd come right to us to find us and to bring us all the way back to him. The gospel says that the only reason, the only reason that you and I even have a place at the table of God is because Christ said to us, there's room for more at this meal. Come. Come enjoy it. Got your name on it. Scoot over. There's... There's a place here. That's the only reason we even have a place, guys. Let's not forget that. For all the stuff we say in a culture, you'll never forget. Christians, let's never forget this. This is the power of God unto salvation. It is the gospel. Let the gospel empower you, family, today, this very week, to open your homes and open your lives to the lonely and to the long shots this week. Don't just keep inviting your friends. Don't just keep inviting your family, Jesus says, right, into your life. 
Start inviting strangers. Start inviting neighbors as well, because there is room for more at this meal. I love you guys. Can I pray for you? Okay, let's pray. Jesus, oh man, I am uh, (laughs) blown away by your grace in my life, particularly today. I find myself very thankful this morning for your love and forgiveness. Lord, I pray that you take your word and you press it deep into our hearts. I do believe you filled this room with your presence. I do believe, Holy Spirit, you're talking to our hearts. And I pray that we would listen. Even more so that we would respond. Not just nod our heads and go, yep, that's right. What's for lunch? If you're calling people today, I pray that they would respond. Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for calling us when we were far from home. When we couldn't even move towards you, you moved towards us. Lord, it's a hard thing you're calling us to do. We're not going to fake it and say, yeah, we're all there. and We're going to just do it tomorrow. But Lord, would you change us? Would you start changing us today? Oh, we love you so much, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.